0: Aalto University podcast.
1: In the Adventures in Entrepreneurship Law podcast series, Petra Hietanen-Kunwald and Kalle Airo from Alto University explore business law from an entrepreneurial point of view with expert guests. In some episodes, their co-host is Moritz Scherleitner. The podcast content is meant for education and is not intended to constitute legal advice. What does it cost to hire people? Taxes and employment. Our guest is Marika Kaitama, Senior Tax Manager, KPMG. Entrepreneurship Law, with Petra and Kalle. You need some helping hands for your business and decide to employ someone. What kind of tax and social security obligations are connected to such an action? In this episode, Kalle and Moritz talk with Marika Kaitama about the key duties that must be fulfilled by the entrepreneur acting as an employer. Furthermore, they discuss alternative forms of acquiring labor. A startup grows
0: and is considering to pay people to work for it. Today, we speak about the tax and social security obligations for the employer that are connected to acquiring labor. Our guest today is Marika Kaitama um, from KPMG. Marika, thank you for coming and welcome to our course. Can you please introduce yourself?
2: Yes, uh, hello, and thank you for having me here. My name is Marika Kaitama. I'm a lawyer and a tax enthusiast, and I work as senior manager at KPMG. I work with a wide range of international and domestic tax matters arising from employers sending their employees to work abroad or bringing employees to Finland. I also specialize in uh, employment tax matters, uh, employers' obligations and compensation and benefits taxation.
0: Why is this topic important for you?
2: Uh, I'm strongly of the opinion that when starting a business, tax-related matters should be attended to properly right from the start. There are several reasons for this, but most importantly, doing things right from the get-go helps to mitigate unnecessary financial and reputational risks.
3: And this is also an important point for any investment that you want to receive because they will do due diligence and they want to know that you actually know what you are doing and everything is done in a proper way. It's also as important if you want to sell your company, make the exit and actually harvest the value and make money for yourself.
2: I definitely agree on it.
3: Uh, When I, as an entrepreneur, am considering hiring somebody, what are the first questions that I should be thinking about or asking?
2: Good question. Uh, well, uh, as a start, you should think about uh, why do you need to hire someone? Uh, uh, what kind of kind of position is available? Uh, um, what is the need need for the to hire the employee? Uh, for example, do you have a temporary project to which you need spare hands, or if you have more continuous need for manpower. Also, it is important uh, to determine what kind of employee you are looking for. Uh, Is it someone with little or no experience at all, or perhaps someone uh, more senior level employee? This has an impact on, for instance, uh, compensation package you need to offer for the employee.
3: How should you actually decide what kind of compensation package you are offering? What should you consider?
2: Well, uh, as a first step, uh, I would uh, familiarise myself with the applicable collective agreements, if there is any, and uh, maybe uh, look into some uh, average wage ranges or market size surveys that, uh, for, for the for the position to which you are hiring an employee to determine the competitive salary level for this position. As a next step, uh, uh, you need to determine how much the company is willing to pay for the employee. Um, if you only pay cash-based compensation or perhaps offer some benefits. Um, the more senior level employee is in uh, you're looking for, you perhaps need to think about performance-based or equity-based compensation as well.
3: What are the advantages of offering other compensation than just cash? Uh,
2: well, uh, fringe benefits comes with more beneficial tax treatment. And by beneficial, I mean that the taxable value is lower than the fair market value. There is also various tax-exempt benefits that must not be forgotten. Uh, such as um, benefits related to well-being of personnel or recreational benefits such as sports activities and cultural events. Uh, Although these may seem beneficial only for the employee, they are actually beneficial for the employer as well, uh, due to lower base for social security contributions or not having to pay them at all.
0: So they are exempted from social security contributions?
2: Yes, to a certain extent, or the, because of the t- lower taxable value, the base for social security contributions is also lower.
0: How can employees be encouraged to commit to a business?
2: Well, in my experience, uh, equity awards are commonly used to design compensation packages in the startup world. A well-designed incentive scheme helps to attract the best talent in the in- industry and uh, keep them invested in the business for a longer time. All types of equity awards, in some form or the other, grants the employee an option to buy or receive stock, not directly, but after vesting period. Uh, that is a great way to ensure that pers- personnel uh, stays committed to the business.
0: How long are these vesting periods usually?
2: Um, Well, usually at least a year, but they can be longer as well, like three years or maybe even five years.
0: Say you have decided to recruit an employee. What are the first practical steps which you have to do?
2: As a first step, you need to check uh, what are the obligations that you need to, as an employer, to take care of. Companies acting as regular employers need to uh, register into the employers register. A company is considered to be a regular employer if if they employ two or more employees on regular basis.
0: What means employing on a regular
2: basis? You pay salaries like let's say monthly to the employees. So you have two or more employees Uh, for whom you pay salaries uh, regularly. Companies who only employ one employee do not need to register uh, in the employer's register. They are considered as occasional employers.
0: What does registration in the employer's register mean in practice?
2: Registration in the employer's register uh, indicates to the tax administration that the employer is a regular employer, as opposed to occasional employer. This affects, for example, payroll reporting. Regular employers must file payroll reports for each month, regardless of whether they have actually paid any salaries for that month.
0: Okay, so once the registration has been done, um, what are the next steps then?
2: The next step is to take out mandatory social Uh, insurances from relevant insurance companies. Mandatory social insurances include pension insurance, work accident insurance, and group life insurance, if applicable. Uh, These are the ones that you actually have to take out as insurances. Then unemployment insurance uh, is invoiced based on the employer payroll reporting and it is invoiced by the employment fund.
0: So you can choose yourself which insurance company um, you take. Um, what are the, the factors you consider in this in this respect?
2: Yes, you can choose. Uh, different uh, pension insurance companies have uh, can have different kind of client bonuses, which can uh, lower the uh, rate for pension insurance contribution to be paid.
3: So, what obligations do you you actually have when you are paying salaries?
2: Well, uh, employers are required to withhold tax uh, on the salaries paid to employees. For this purpose, employer needs to request tax withholding card from the employee. If the employee receives benefits, employer is responsible for making sure that correct taxable values are used. Employers are also required to deduct employees' pension and unemployment insurance contributions from the cross-pay.
3: And what about after the salaries have been paid?
2: Well, now that the tax withholding is made from the employee's pay, employer needs to remit the tax withholdings to the tax administration. The tax withholdings are remitted together with employers' sickness insurance contributions. Remittance of tax withholdings and employer sickness insurance contribution is based on employer's payroll reporting. When it comes to social security contributions, apart from employer sickness insurance contribution, uh, other social security contributions are paid uh, against the invoices issued by the employment fund and uh, insurance companies.
3: What is remittance in layman's terms?
2: Like paying the tax to the tax administration.
3: What kind of uh, income re- report should be filed?
2: Employers are required to report salaries paid to the employees on an earnings payment report. Uh, this This is a report that needs to be as filed uh, for each kind of transaction, so for each time, employees making a payment, and this is filed for each each employee separately. In in addition to the earnings payment report, employers are required to submit employers' separate report on a monthly basis. On employers' separate report, employer uh, declares the amount of employers' sickness contribution to be paid.
3: So, how much time do you have to actually file this information?
2: Earnings payment reports are to be filed within five day, days of payment; however, no later than by the eighth of following month to avoid any penalties. Employer separate reports are filed on monthly basis.
3: Who takes care of the payroll process? So is it the the company or the founders of the company, or can you somehow have help from outside?
2: I would say that the founders of the company are not the correct ones to take care of the payroll reporting. Uh, I think they need to focus on their core business. Uh, company can outsource payroll services and uh, I would recommend maybe uh, to, for, for new businesses to uh, engage account, accounting payroll, accounting firm to take care of the payroll, payroll and payroll reporting
3: so, what are the benefits of having an accounting firm or somebody else doing this on your behalf? Uh,
2: in, in some cases, it could be more cost-efficient, but uh, but naturally, they are professionals in what they do. So, the founders uh, can can uh, focus on the on their core business rather than uh, running payroll.
0: And you probably also avoid the penalties you get if you don't do it correctly.
2: (laughs) Probably. (laughs) It's
0: probably a good investment as well. (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) What if the employee is recruited from abroad to work in Finland? Are the obligations different?
2: Well, in principle, no. There are uh, are same employer obligations whether or not the employee is recruited from abroad to work in Finland or uh, uh, recruited uh, in Finland or from Finland. Um, however, when recruiting uh, from abroad and especially outside the EU or EEA area, uh, it is good to note that the employee requires residency permit in order to work in Finland. And it is the obligation or obligation of an employer to make sure that the employee has uh, the residency permit and uh, and the right to work here. How can
0: the employer assist employees moving to Finland?
2: When recruiting foreign talent in Finland, uh, it is uh, common for the employee employers to uh, provide support for the employees uh, related to the requirements uh, when entering into Finland, such as uh, support uh, in applying for residency permit or EU registration, assistance in house search uh, and other practical matters is also widely offered, as well as support with social security applications and tax matters.
0: Are there any risks to consider with regard to international remote work?
2: Yes, uh, international remote work is anything but risk-free. There are several uh, things to consider um there could be corporate tax implications of, and then of course uh tax implications for the employee uh, uh employer obligations uh social security implications just to name a few uh depending on the role of employee uh, and the length uh, of 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 working period uh, uh, There, the employee could create permanent establishment for the employer in the country where the uh, remote
0: work is performed. Which means that the employer has then to file tax returns in this other country. Yes. And and the profits attributable to the permanent establishment are then taxable in another country.
2: Yes. Um, And then um, even without permanent establishment, uh, remote work could trigger uh, the obligation to uh, pay mandatory social security contributions to that country, Uh, maybe make tax withholdings, uh, meaning uh, withhold uh, the taxes of the country where the work is performed, or file some employer payroll reports. There are also other factors to consider, like data privacy, Uh, how can employer ensure that information that is confidential will will be kept confidential throughout the remote work period. Uh, Other factors to consider, uh, what if the employee falls ill or has an accident in that country? What happens then? Uh, Or what if something surprising, surprising happens in in the country where the work is performed. Uh, Finally, if you're working outside EU area, there could be immigration implications as well, uh, which uh, could have impact on the employer as well, if not taken care of. Usually you're not allowed to work uh, uh, in country with business visa, let alone uh, if you only have a tourist visa.
0: So that means that when you send an employee abroad, then this employee abroad creates a presence which potentially goes in hand with tax consequences for the startup. So when you send someone abroad, then you have to consider a lot of tax um, implications.
2: Potentially, yes, although uh, in case of uh, cross-border, remote work, employees are not usually posted to work to that country. They are working remotely, which which needs to be, they are kind of different concepts. But yes, uh, there could be potentially implications, but usually, as a rule of thumb, um, the shorter period of work in another country is, uh, the lesser the risks okay. involved, right. maybe.
0: When I was studying, I had a friend who went abroad for doing an exchange semester, and her boyfriend came with her, and the boyfriend had his own company, which he was kind of managing himself. It was kind of his one-man company, and he was then doing the whole work for the company abroad. Is this also risky? He's not an employee, but um, he still works for the company. Definitely a risk. What kind of risks are related to that?
2: Well, first of all, uh, he probably creates permanent establishment for the co- for the company to that country. And then we have all the other obligations related to having permanent establishment in another country, like corporate, uh, you need to file corporate tax return. Um, there are probably um, other Filing requirements as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and probably the person also triggers then residency for the company uh, based on the company being managed there. The Finland has now yeah. um, this new law. So if you found the company in Estonia, but you manage it from Finland, then uh, the company is a tax resident in Estonia and it is also a tax resident in Finland.
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: So that was a lot of information. So, what are your key takeaways? on international remote work?
2: I would say it is important to clarify the potential implications uh, that may arise from uh, allowing employee uh, working remotely in another country and agree uh, on the acceptable terms uh, for giving green light for the remote work to avoid any unwanted and costly surprises later on.
3: So what obligations should you take into consideration when you are sending people for an assigned position abroad?
2: Well, basically there are um, similar things to consider as with the remote work. However, if there is a host entity where you are posting the employee to work, usually the host entity takes care of the employer ob- local employer obligations. If there is no host entity, uh, the assignment abroad usually triggers the same implications as with remote work. There is likely tax withholding obligation, reporting obligation, and so forth. Similar to remote work, it is, it is important to assess these obligations beforehand Also, if there is no host entity, the assignment could create corporate tax implications as well. So, the implications are pretty much the same as with the remote work.
3: What if hiring an employee is not possible or is not practical? What are the other alternatives that you can consider?
2: Well, in in some some cases, it might make more sense to buy the work as a service rather than hiring an employee. In that case, the payment is considered non-wage compensation for work and not salary.
0: Are the payers' obligations different when paying a subcontractor or freelancer than hiring an employee? Uh,
2: yes. Uh, Yes, they are different, at least a bit, depending on whether the recipient of the payment is registered into the prepayment register. If the recipient is registered in the prepayment register, uh, you can just pay pay for the work against the invoice issued. If the recipient is not registered in the prepayment register, uh, you need to withhold tax on the payment made to the recipient. In case of self-employed individuals, you will need a tax card or you will need to request a tax card to make the tax withholding. And in case of companies, uh, there is a fixed rate of 13%. So
0: this is like when you hire a babysitter, you have to kind of withhold yourself and and do this stuff, because they are not in the register, so... Yes, correctly.
2: If the recipient is not registered in the prepayment register, uh, the payer must also report the non-wage compensations to the income register. So you need to also file the earnings payment report similar to employees.
0: So when is it better to pay for a freelancer or a subcontractor than hiring an employee?
2: It's in in most cases, it's not a matter of choice whether the company chooses to hire an employee or uh, pay for the same work uh, as a service uh, conducted by a self, for example, self-employed individual or company. If the circumstances point towards employment relationship, uh, the payment is considered to be salary, regardless of the form of contract between the parties.
0: So you cannot call it a service when it actually is an employment?
2: Correct. However, in in some cases it is a valid option, of course, an available option uh, to buy the needed work as a service.
3: So, there seem to be a lot of obligations to remember when you are hiring somebody to your company. Is it even possible to do this properly as a startup company? Or how is it possible to do it properly?
2: Although there is a lot to remember, there is a lot of useful information and guidance uh, to be found on the authorities' web pages. You can also utilize the authority's customer service to receive practical help and support.
3: Do you have any overarching advice on hiring people?
2: My recommendation is to always seek guidance if in doubt. As I said in the beginning, doing things right from the get-go is always less costly than reacting to problems as they emerge.
3: I totally agree, because in entrepreneurship, you typically want to test quickly and fail quickly, but legal and tax issues are not the topics to play around with.
0: That was very informative. Thank you very much, Marika, for being here.
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure.